Welcome to How to Catholic with Kevin and Lisa Cotter, a podcast dedicated to helping you practically live your Catholic faith with excellence. Welcome to the Liturgical Lowdown for the month of June. I'm your host, Lisa Cotter, and in this episode, I'll be giving you insights, histories, and ideas on how to celebrate and integrate the liturgical life of the Catholic Church into your own life this month. If this is your first time listening in on a liturgical lowdown, scroll back to Season 4, Episode 4, How to Liturgical Living, and give it a listen to get the most out of this episode. Thanks for joining me. Let's get started. Well, this is it. This is it. We have made it to the last month for a year of liturgical lowdowns. The month of June. I gotta be honest, I'm pretty excited that we made it, that I actually got these all in because it was an insane year. New baby, new job, moving. Yet, this is how much I love the liturgical year. So, month of June. Question is, now what? Because this is the last month to complete the entire cycle of a year. And here's what we're going to do. I'm not going to continue to do the liturgical lowdowns in this format. I'm not going to be doing a monthly one. Starting in July instead, we're going to be doing a segment in our regular episodes. So just like we do a Catholic hack in each episode, we're going to be doing a liturgical um, a liturgical lowdown for the following week. So we're going to highlight a particular feast day that's going to be happening, happening the week after the episode airs. So you can always go back and listen to last year's monthly episode if you want all the details on everything that's going on or the monthly devotion. Um, but I'm not going to continue to do it in this format. Instead, we're going to put it into the regular episodes. And that's also going to allow me to talk about these movable feasts, which there are a ton of in June, to be able to give you some um, more up-to-date, here's what's happening here and now in the liturgical year as we do the podcast. So I hope that works for you. I hope it works for me too. And I will also continue to create the boards for... Um, my Amazon page where I have the links to all the different products for all the saints or all the feast days that are happening during the month. So I will continue that on my favorite page on Amazon, which you can access that on Instagram or it's going to be in the show notes. So it's in my Instagram um, link in bio. And then also it will be in the show notes here. But I'll continue to update that page. So if you want to get certain products for certain saints, or you're wondering what books are available, what movies or what whatever, sometimes even like toys and things, you will be able to access that. Um, I'll be doing those each month until that fills out and that's all up for you for products. So there we go. That's it. That's the update. Let's dive into the month of June. This month's devotion is to the Sacred Heart of Jesus. Now this devotion comes to us from, well, Jesus, but it was given to a French nun named Margaret Mary Alacoque, and this was in 1673. Jesus began to appear to her, and he told her that he wanted a feast day devoted to his sacred heart. 
which his sacred heart reminds us of his love for us, which is so intense that he gave his own life for us out of love for us. So you've probably seen this image before. It's the heart with the crown of thorns wrapped around it. And there's a flame coming out of the center of the heart at the top. Um, so it took until 1856. So, you know, just a hundred years or so later, but we eventually did get that feast that Jesus wanted on the calendar. And that is, um, what we are looking at here this month, what we are praying through as a church, what we are, uh, specifically focusing on. So in addition to asking for his sacred heart to be a new devotion in the church, there are other, a few other things that Jesus also asked to St. Margaret Mary in his apparitions, and that included his desire for people to pray a holy hour on Thursdays and for people to go to Mass and receive communion on the first Friday of each month, which is where the first Friday devotion comes from, which perhaps you've heard of. It's basically a series of devotions where you go to Mass on the first Friday for nine consecutive months, and there are intentions that go with it. And um, it kind of has like a, a sort of, I guess you call it like a sister devotion. That would be first Saturdays, which is to the Immaculate Heart of Mary. So oftentimes the Sacred Heart of Jesus and the Immaculate Heart of Mary are kind of paired together as, as devotions. And um, this devotion, if you follow through this, you do the first Fridays for nine consecutive months, comes with some pretty hefty promises, including the promise that tepid souls shall grow fervent. So if you are feeling a bit lukewarm, turn to the Sacred Heart. This could be a great month for you to begin that First Friday devotion and go to Mass on the First Friday for nine consecutive months, praying intentionally um, with this devotion to the Sacred Heart. So the official solemnity for this devotion falls on the Friday after Corpus Christi, which falls in June this month. So this year it's on June 28th. This is 2019. It will be June 28th is the, the feast day, but all month long we are we are meditating on this. So I will link to some prayers for you to the Sacred Heart. There's a whole website, thesacredheart.com. I'll link to that. And then really the big prayer that kind of goes with or that you might think about is the enthronement to the Sacred Heart, which is when you display an image of the Sacred Heart of Jesus in your home and you enthrone him as king over your home. And I will link to the prayers that go along with that. That's a beautiful thing also to do this month is to do uh, enthronement um, ceremony. I don't know if you call it that. An enthronement thing in your home. Also some books. I will link to some books on St. Margaret Mary and on the Sacred Heart. And there's a really great Pinterest board out there by a girl named Jennifer Andrews where she collects. There's all kinds of crafts and snacks and ideas, ways to teach this devotion to your uh, children, to learn about yourself. I will link to her Pinterest board because it really covers everything. And then I will also link to a series of teaching materials from Catholic Inspired on the Sacred Heart of Jesus and the Immaculate Heart of Mary and First Fridays and First Saturdays and all of that in one big package there, as well as a couple of crafts. And uh, if you just want to go real simple, this month is a great time to do any kind of a heart-shaped food. You can do it with cookies, cakes, Rice Krispie treats, pancakes, I don't know, sandwiches. You could even do a fruit tray. I've seen people do fruit trays where they make it look like an Immaculate Heart of Mary and a Sacred Heart of Jesus, like fruit tray or a veggie tray. I'll give some examples. I'll link to those from Catholic Cuisine for some simple ways to do food to celebrate this month at some point, or if you want on the particular day, June 28th of the feast. 
Okay, so the Pope's monthly intention for this month is the mode of life of priests. He asks us to pray in this way. The priests, through the modesty and humility of their lives, commit themselves actively to a solidarity with those who are most poor. So, of course, you can put this on a board of some sort and put it in your prayer area at your home. And I would say something that would be great to do as you're praying for our priests this month and praying for this intention would be to you yourself go and serve the poor in some capacity at some time this month. All right. Now, before we deep dive into some feast days, a few things of note. So in June, we head back into ordinary time. Easter season is coming to a close here. So we do have an episode called How to Ordinary Time. It's season two, episode six. I will link to that if you want to get an episode just on how do we live in ordinary time in extraordinary ways. And also because Easter ends here in June, there are just a ton of movable feasts. Four Sundays in a row are movable feasts. So we have on the second, the Ascension. On the ninth, which, which all these are solemnities, so the second is the Ascension, the ninth is Pentecost, the 16th is Trinity Sunday, where we look at the Blessed Trinity, and then on the 23rd is the Most Holy Body and Blood of Christ, also known as Corpus Christi. So all four of those are solemnities, specific uh, feast day solemnities that happen in the month of June, and they're all movable, so they all depend on when does Easter start, that is when they fall. So I'm not going to be talking about those specifically today. But um, wanted to point that out. And then also that Sacred Heart of Jesus solemnity falls on the Friday after Corpus Christi. So it's the 28th. And then typically on the 29th, so the next day, the day after the Sacred Heart of Jesus would be the Immaculate Heart of Mary feast day. But that is trumped this year because the 29th is also the feast the solemnity of St. Peter and Paul. Now, I keep pointing out the fact that these are solemnities because if you're keeping track, that's six solemnities this month. And there's even one more, which is the Nativity of John the Baptist on the 24th. So in this month of June, we have seven solemnities, which is definitely more than any other month. So get your solemnity pants on because it's going to be a party this month. All right. So that, uh, yeah, that's it for my little... um. Before we begin, let's dive in. Let's dive into some feast days, starting on June 13th with St. Anthony of Padua. This is just a memorial, not a solemnity. However, um, St. Anthony is one of the most loved saints, so there are loads of traditions around his feast day, loads of stories of his miracles, lots of hospitals named after him, right? He worked tons and tons of, um, he's worked tons and tons of miracles and there are lots of ways that you can learn about him so who is saint anthony first of all well he's saint anthony of padua which is a little bit deceiving because padua is in italy but that's actually not where he's from he's actually a uh from portugal born in lisbon portugal he just died in padua italy so they claimed him which is you know so italian of them now anthony was a great preacher who fought against heresy and he was so good that he's a doctor of the church he died in the year 1231 at the age of 36, which is pretty young. And, um, of course, we all know and love him as the saint you pray to when you lose something. Tony, Tony, look around. You all know that quote prayer. <laughs> um, so I will also link to for you 
a prayer for unfailing. It's an unfailing prayer to St. Anthony, just in case Tony Tony look around doesn't work for you. I'll give you a little more liturgically accurate one. The unfailing prayer to St. Anthony that you can pray on his feast day or really anytime you uh, need St. Anthony's intercession. I'll link to some books. There are lots of books. There are picture books. There are chapter books. There are coloring books. All kinds of things on St. Anthony that I will link to there if you want to read up on him. There are two audio stories on St. Anthony. One is from Glory Stories. The other one is from the Truth to Inspire series, which I do not believe you can purchase anymore but they are all on formed.org, so I will link to that. There are a couple of movies on St. Anthony. There's one for adults um, that's called St. Anthony, the Miracle Worker of Padua. And then there are two for kids. There's St. Anthony from My Catholic Family, which is EWTN's kids series. And then also St. Anthony of Padua, um, his story is told on Stories of Saints for Kids. It's Season 1, episode 25, and you can access all of those on Amazon Prime. They have two seasons out. I think I've mentioned this before. It's kind of a newer thing that I've discovered, but these stories of saints for kids, and they just have like these um, animated stories. They're all on Amazon for free of tons of saints. They have two seasons, and they've just done a bunch of them. In fact, I think every one I highlight this week, you can watch the stories of saints for kids. They're like 10 minutes animated story of the saint. So that's, uh, then he is season one, episode 25 on Amazon. If you want to watch his story activities, this is a fun day to have a scavenger hunt because he's the patron saint of lost items or just any kind of a hunt. You could hide things and find them and hooray for St. Anthony. Also, it's a great day to make a fish craft. So St. Anthony one time got really fed up with all the people because uh, they're being dumb. So he said, forget it. If you won't listen to me, I'm going to go preach to the fish. And so he began to preach to the fish, and all the fish started jumping out of the water and listening to him. So apparently the fish were a better audience. So that's a great, fun story. You could do anything with fish today, craft-wise, even food-wise. Also, anything to do with lilies is a great thing for this feast day. Often you'll see him pictured with lilies, and that's not just for purity which is traditionally what you think of when you think of lilies, like St. Joseph is with lilies. But there are two great stories behind St. Anthony and lilies. The first one is in 1680 on his feast day, June 13th, at a church in Austria, someone placed a cut lily in the hand of St. Anthony, his statue. And for an entire year, that lily began or continued to bloom without water. Just as He was just holding this lily that was like an incorruptible lily for the year. And then... It even like doubled. It grew two more blooms as time went on and continued to fill the church with its fragrance. And then um, the second story is a little over a century later. This happened in France. So at the time when there was the anti-Catholic French Revolution going on on the island of Corsica, all the priests were forced to leave. They said, we don't like you. You have to leave. But the people wanted to continue to practice their faith, and they did so without the sacraments. But what they would do is... Um, they would call on the saints and they would turn their churches into shrines. So they turned one church into a shrine to St. Anthony and they brought in some lilies in his honor and months later the blooms were still fresh as if they had just been placed there. So because of these two stories, Pope Leo Thirteenth gave permission for people to bless lilies and turn them into sacramentals um, in honor of of 
this saint. So lots of favors have been granted through this devotion and through people having blessed lilies, taking them to people who are sick. Um, you know, people have touched the flower, the petals of these flowers, and sometimes there have been healings from that. And so um, that's a beautiful thing you could do is you could, if someone is sick at the hospital, you could take lilies, ask the priest to give the special lily blessing from Pope Leo and take them to the sick person to be in their hospital room, especially if they're at St. Anthony's Hospital. That'd be really cool. Um, also, there's, so you know, there's also um, a St. Anthony's oil that floats around out there, and it's the extract from the pressings of blessed blooms. So, like, they'll, they'll bless the flowers, and then they'll extract oil out of the flowers. But this is not something you want to buy on Amazon because, um, in fact, I don't even know where you buy it. I just know that it exists, but I also know that most of the people who sell them are, like, voodoo shops and Wiccan supply stores. And so sometimes these occult things will take our blessed holy sacred things and use them in weird non-Catholic ways. And so they'll sell, and it looks totally Catholic and totally legit, legit but um, don't buy it online um, because you're going to get messed up in something weird. So here's my warning. Okay, food. Food for this feast. I told you there's a lot going on for this feast. Sardines and basil. These are the traditional foods. So St. Anthony is the patron of Lisbon, Portugal, because that's where he was born. So they really celebrate him on his feast day. And starting on June 12th, Lisbon hosts this three-day festival that begins with a feast of sardines. Aren't you jealous? Don't you want to go? Um, but this tradition goes way back to the 13th century in Italy and um, comes from, you know, when the people wouldn't listen to Anthony and he preached to the fish instead. Um, and also of note, this festival is also a time of celebrating love. That's the tradition. It's, it's kind of like a Valentine's Day. And love and marriage prospects, um, because Anthony apparently is known for his matchmaking skills. So I guess, you know, if your, your future spouse is like lost and you can't find them, you probably see Anthony to find them. So what women will do, single women, will stand up statues of St. Anthony upside down because that's what we do to saints when we want them to do something for us apparently just like saint joseph we bury him upside down women in lisbon will turn their statues of saint anthony upside down and wait for the day when he delivers through his intercession a viable husband to them and then they get to turn him right side up so there you go and men partake in this by here's where the basil comes in by delivering basil plants to loved ones with poems attached to them so in the States here on Valentine's Day, we give roses with poems. In Lisbon, they send basil pots with poems. And throughout the city during this three-day festival, you can see balconies decorated with pots of basil. So that actually would be kind of fun to go and see all of that one day. Next feast day is June 24th. It is the Nativity of John the Baptist, which is a solemnity. John, of course, is Jesus's cousin, the son of Elizabeth, who Mary goes to visit after finding out that she is pregnant, and John leaps in the womb, and then um, John is born, and he is the herald of Jesus, who wore camel's hair and ate locusts and honey and baptized Jesus, and then was beheaded by Herod because he made him mad. So why June 24th? Well, there's actually some mathematical thought to this. The Annunciation is on March 25th which is nine months before December 25th. So, you know, Jesus is conceived. Nine months later, he's born. Well, Mary, after finding out on March 25th that she's pregnant, goes in haste to see Elizabeth, who we read from the Gospels, was in her sixth month. 
which means she had three more months to go. And three months after March 25th is June 24th, which you might be thinking, wait, why isn't it the 25th? No, John was not a day early. The way Romans counted months was based upon the first day of the next month. So December has 31 days, and the, um, the eighth day before January is the 25th. June has 30 days, so the eighth day before July is the 24th. So those three days are all tied together based upon um, what we know from the Gospels, and that's, that's how that works. Also of note, Jesus, Mary, and John are the only three birthdays we celebrate liturgically, and we are exactly then six months from Christmas Eve on this date here for the Nativity of John the Baptist, and so this is also known as Summer Christmas, which is a lot of fun. Okay, prayers for this celebration. It would be a great day to read and meditate on the accounts of St. John the uh, St. John the Baptist and the Gospels, great time to, to think about his life. He is probably one of the most described characters in all of the Gospels. In fact, next to Jesus, we probably know more about him than anybody else. Uh, movies, like I said, Saints for Kids on Amazon Prime, of course, has a John the Baptist episode. Grass for today, anything with grasshoppers or bees or honeycomb. Totally fun craft to do with kiddos. Also, an easy non-traditional food would be honeycomb cereal that's simple buy a box of honeycomb if you can't pull off anything else and have honeycomb cereal for breakfast that day and you are you're totally in okay so that's all for the non-traditional stuff let's go with the long-standing traditions because there are many it's such an old feast it's one of the oldest feasts it goes way 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 back and there are a lot of traditions for this feast day that revolve around fire because John heralded in the light of the world. So all across Europe and in countries settled by Catholics on St. John's Eve, so the 23rd, people gather to celebrate around bonfires, which um, also has a little fun tradition of also jumping over the bonfire. That's what you do. You light a bonfire in, in honor of John the Baptist, and then you jump over it because it's fun. Now, keeping with the fire theme in different countries, there are other sub-traditions. So in Brazil, they do fireworks on St. John's Eve. In Spain, they burn their old furniture. I don't know why, but apparently that's when you do it. In parts of France, they light torches and they throw them in the air. And they also, um, in France, cover wagon wheels with straw. And then they set them on fire with a blessed candle and roll them down a hill. That sounds like fun. I have no idea why they do all that, but it's just what they do. So really, this day is just a day for pyromaniacs. Like, it's all their dreams come true on this day, if they know about it. Catholic pyromaniacs, this, this day's for you. All right, so let's talk about a couple of non-fire-related traditions, because they do exist. On this day, people like to decorate. So remember, this is like like the opposite of, not opposite of Christmas, but it's the right in the middle of Christmas, it's another nativity. So we're celebrating the birth of Jesus and then we're celebrating the birth of John the Baptist. So there's a lot that goes with this in European countries. Um, so people decorate with birch leaves, which I don't know why. Um, they decorate with lilies and then they decorate with St. John's wort, which is yes, after St. John the Baptist, it's a yellow flower. And they decorate with lanterns. There's a great tradition where people would light a lantern and leave it lit all night in their home. And so on the eve of St. John the Baptist in Catholic 
communities, everybody would have a lit lantern that night that would burn all night to represent that light of um, John the Baptist heralding in the light, which I think is beautiful. So it's a great night. Just leave your porch light on to uh, in honor of John the Baptist. And then finally, because June is filled with love tips, apparently, in Brazil, St. John, um, who is apparently the protector of lovers, for fun, young girls in Brazil will roll up little scraps of paper and they'll put their name on it. So each girl will put their name on a little scrap of paper and then they place it in a water bowl and the first one to unfold indicates the next girl to be married. There you go. Aren't we fun as Catholics? So many traditions. Next feast of note is June 28th, which is the Sacred Heart of Jesus, a solemnity. We already talked about all of that at the beginning, ideas and thoughts for the Sacred Heart of Jesus. And then following on the 29th would be the Immaculate Heart of Mary, but it has been trumped by the Feast of St. Peter and Paul. Sorry, the Solemnity of St. Peter and Paul. So a couple of things for you to do on the Solemnity of St. Peter and Paul. I will link to a prayer to the Holy Apostles, Peter and Paul. And there are some books I can link to on St. Paul and St. Peter separately. And then, of course, Stories for Saints, Stories of Saints for Kids on Amazon has not just one episode on Peter or one episode on Paul, but three episodes on Peter and three episodes on Paul, because there's a lot to say about these guys. And then lastly, I will link to a link from my old mommy blog back when I used to blog about my liturgical stuff before blogs became more and more obsolete. But I will send a link over on the show notes to my St. Paul lunch that we do with our son Paul on his birthday, or we did when he was little, which consists of a apple boat with a cheese sail for his journeys, his boat journeys, uh, swords made out of pretzels and hot dogs because he was beheaded by a sword. And then we did fruit by the fruit, fruit by the foot scrolls because I kind of look like a scroll, for all of his writings that he did. So there you go. I'm a cool mom right there, living a liturgical year. I remember doing that when he was little. I should probably do that again this year. Who cares? He's 10. I think he'd still get a kick out of it. So we'll have to do that. I will try to do that and post that this year. Other celebrations of note for this month. On the 1st of June is the Memorial of Justin, St. Justin, also known as St. Justin Martyr. We kind of just tag that on there to... Uh, to know who he is, he is one of the most important Christian writers of the second century, and it's because of him that we know a lot about how the early church worked, um, and he did a lot of um, apologetics. On the 11th is St. Barnabas. It's his memorial. He is the friend of St. Paul, who you hear about in the epistles, lots of times on their journeys. It's Paul and Barnabas are going places and doing things. On the 21st is Aloysius Gonzaga. He was a Jesuit, and he is a patron saint of teenagers. So if you have a teenager, you can call on him. And on the 22nd is Saints John Fisher and St. Thomas More. This is their optional memorial. Now, both of these gentlemen are from England. St. Thomas More was the chancellor of King Henry VIII, the crazy one. And St. John Fisher studied theology in Cambridge and then became a bishop of Rochester in England during this time as well. So both of these men who knew each other, were, um, they pushed back. They pushed back on King Henry VIII in his habit of marrying and then divorcing and sometimes beheading his wives. And so then Henry wanted to change the rules of annulment so he could marry different people. And 
uh, people like St. Thomas More and John Fisher said no. And so the king said, I will then behead you. That's the short version of it. But if you'd like the long version, there's a great movie called A Man for All Seasons. And it is on Amazon. I will link to that. Oh, no, I don't think you can actually. Mm, I can't remember. You should get it. You should find a way to get it because it's a really great movie. And then finally on the 26th, sorry, when I say, it's not, I don't think you can stream it on Amazon, but I think you can buy it, but maybe you can stream it on Amazon. You'll have to go find out. Sorry. I can't remember. I look at a lot of things to do these researches. <laughs> I am not making any sense. I just can't remember. That's what it comes down to. I do a lot of research and then I can't remember exactly every detail. Okay. 26th. Last one. Jose Maria Escriva, St. Jose Maria Escriva. It's his optional memorial. He's a newer saint. He was born in 1902 in Spain, and he's the founder of Opus Dei. And I love his practical work for the laity. So he really did a phenomenal job of bringing the spiritual life to the laity in a way that helps them grow in holiness in their state. So there you go. That's it for this liturgical lowdown. That completes this year of liturgical lowdowns. I'm, I'm sad this is the last one, but I also know that I need a little break from them. As much fun as it's been, maybe in a year, I'll start doing them monthly again, but you will not be liturgical lowdown less because we will be putting snippets in every one of our episodes. So each week you'll know something fun that's happening in the next week in the liturgical year so you can celebrate and live the liturgical life of the church in your own life in a deeper way. So the how-to challenge, as always, is to pick two things. Use that hashtag howtocatholic. I love seeing what you guys are up to. and Or sometimes you just message me directly, which I also love too. Um, for all the links, all the ideas, prayers, resources, books that I shared, you can find them in the show notes at madetomagnify.com. Until the next liturgical lowdown in the unforeseeable future. Be saints. It's worth it. Bye.